Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the opportunity of giving us to gather together and to get into your word. Help us now as we do that. We understand it, apply it in the right way, draw close to you, and build our faith and trust in you and in your word. So we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Picking it back up here in chapter 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now the ministry he's talking about is the ministry of being able to spread the gospel, of the good news of, of the salvation available through the finished work of Jesus Christ. As he continues, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. They're doing it for the benefit of others, not for the benefit of themselves, of what he's talking about here. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, which is Satan, hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So people are blinded by Satan, and this blindness actually comes by their own will. They willingly are ignorant, as he teaches us further in his word, of the existence of Jesus Christ and availability of salvation. They deny God, you have these folks out here that call themselves agnostic or atheist. Basically, they're liars. Because God has manifest himself through Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost to everyone in existence. From the moment they're born, before they die, there will be an opportunity given to everyone to either accept or deny Jesus Christ. Everyone will have that. And he has manifest himself to all mankind. So when somebody says they don't believe in God, that means they're not living in God or they're not living in Jesus Christ. They do not want to follow. But everyone knows that he exists. They can deny him and willingly close their eyes and plug their ears, but everyone knows he exists. As it continues, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. A very important part there. They are not out there to lift themselves up as something great and holy, such as you have amongst the Catholic Church, those that lift themselves up and be called Holy Father, which is a total sacrilege. They don't do such a thing. All the glory, all the honor goes to Jesus Christ. They are merely servants, just as we all are. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, this treasure, this opportunity to become indwelt with the Spirit of God in this mortal body that we have now is what he's speaking of. And that is truly by grace that he has allowed us to have that existence, to be indwelt with his Spirit 
But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Once again, Paul pointing all the glory to God, not to himself, not to ourselves. It all goes to God. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are all all the way delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal body, our mortal flesh. We are indwelt with the Holy Ghost. We become an eternal creature. We become a trinity once again. We come into this world spiritually dead. When Jesus Christ saves us, He dwells us with the Holy Ghost. Then we become spiritually alive. That's the quickening that it speaks of. Then we become a trinity again, body, soul, and spirit. We die in the flesh, yes, but we live eternally in the spirit. For we which live are all all the way delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Our goal when we become a Christian is to mortify the flesh. That means to kill off, to die, to separate the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Not to literally literally kill yourself. It's not what he's talking about. But we are dead to the physical desires, lustful desires of the flesh. That means separated from. And we live, we are connected to and reconciled to God. We live in the Spirit. Verse 12, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. We believe that we are born again, saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ, and therefore we speak that. He gave us that great commission to go out and preach and teach the gospel, to share what he's given to us. Now he's quoting Psalms, the book of Psalms in Psalm 116 verse 10 is what he's quoting there where he says, I believed and therefore have I spoken. You believe that you have everlasting life, therefore you share that, you witness, you testify that to others. And that's what Paul is doing, that's what the others are doing. Testifying to what they have done and what they have experienced and what they have seen. Verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. That's what he believes. He believes what happened to Jesus Christ and he believes it's going to happen to him just as we do. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, redound or to exceed and to multiply. So he, his, his desire is that his life that he has given to the service of the Lord, 
devoted his life to serving the Lord, should have a bountiful crop of other believers. That was his glory, and the glory goes to God. For which cause we faint not. It's like, because they have such a desire to spread the gospel and see more and more folks saved, they're going to keep at it. He's not going to faint. He's going to stay steadfast. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Now it's interesting that Paul calls this light affliction. Because by this time Paul had already suffered greatly. Being persecuted by so many. Being stoned. Being whipped. Being shipwrecked. I mean he went through so much. Arrested. And horribly treated. And yet he calls it light affliction. It's for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, realizing and acknowledging that this life is so fast. It's just a flash. It's just vapor in the wind like James writes about. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Like, don't be focused on all this temporary stuff. Keep your eyes on the eternal. That's what he's saying that he's doing, and that's what we need to do. Chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's talking about his physical body. If our physical body be dissolved, which everything in physical existence will be dissolved at the end of times when the Lord destroys everything and begins everything anew, if this be dissolved, we know that we have an eternal body. We know that we have a great and wondrous, beyond our possible deserving, that's for sure, body to look forward to. As he wrote over in 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth as well. In chapter 15, in verse 50, reads, Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Because there, as he started out, talking about the earthly vessel in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. This physical body that we have right now would not be sufficient to be an eternal body. So we're going to receive one that will not decay. That's what he's talking about when he says corruption. It won't rot away. It won't corrode. It won't fall apart. Is now this I say, brethren, back over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be, all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, but the strength of the sin is law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's what he's reemphasizing over here in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, talking about how we are going to have that glorified body. Not going to be falling apart like the ones we have now are. I'm sure everybody out here can list a number of things that they have that's falling apart. I mean, that's just the way things go. You get a few years under your belt, more and more of it's falling apart. You try to get it rebuilt or replaced, and the second parts or the replacement parts aren't quite as good as the first ones. But we keep on going. And we know that it's just temporal. It's just going to be a flash. And as he clearly says there, that we are going to have a wondrous, glorious house made not with hands, eternal in the heavens. In verse 2 of chapter 5, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. When we have those aches and pains, we groan with them. We sure are going to look forward to that glorified body. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. We want to have a body that we can interact with others and the world. The beautiful brand new earth that the Lord's creating for us to be able to interact with that and to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Have that garment upon us. For we that are in this tabernacle, in this body, do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Now we are a work of God. When He brings us into the family, when He adopts us, He begins a work. The first step of that work is to indwell us with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, right within us, and He begins to do a work. It is up to us to allow that work to occur, to allow that work to be fruitful and to continue to grow and develop. We can put a halt to it. We can quelch. We can turn it down. We can stop listening. And then we won't grow. We become stagnant. We need to continue to grow by listening to the direction and the guidance of the Holy Ghost, by yielding to the will of the Lord, by letting Him do that work in us. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Earnest means down payment. That's just the beginning of what he's going to bless us with. Therefore, we are always confident. That's a statement we all need to make and be confident in, that we have confidence of what we have with the Lord. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body... We are absent from the Lord, physically absent from the presence of the physical presence of the Lord is what he's speaking of. Our physical body, while we're in this body, we're not face to face being able to hold the hand of Jesus Christ. We're not in that situation. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. As we know, when we are absent from this body, we are immediately present with the Lord. It's like he told the thief on the cross. 
Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So immediately when a born again Christian leaves this physical body, he's with the Lord. Read 6, 7 again. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. That should be all of our desires, to be fully accepted of Him. To be able to hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, is what we all should have a desire of. And verse 10 is a very important one here. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The judgment seat of Christ is only for the born-again Christians. We know there's going to be a judgment at the end of the days known as the great white throne judgment that will be for everyone that has not been a part of the judgment seat of Christ. The first major judgment to occur is the judgment seat of Christ, where all born-again Christians will be judged right after the rapture of the church. We go from the rapture right into this judgment that he's speaking of here. And note that it says, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So everything that you've done in your life from the time you got saved to the time of the judgment seat of Christ is going to be looked at, whether it was good or bad. And we need to understand and know that when we stumble, when we fall, when we mess up, we go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness and get that bad wiped away so that all you have come judgment day is the good to be looked at. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord means the ominous understanding of the judgment and authority of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto you that I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory in our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Now he's given them the example here, pointing out that they are not taking the glory for themselves. Read that 12 again. For we commend not ourselves. It's like we're not bragging about ourselves, presenting ourselves as something great and holy and righteous. No. But give you occasion to glory in our behalf. Like let them be able to glory in the results of what the disciples have done, what the apostles have done that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Like when you see it done properly, see it done in the right way, then when you see it done wrong, you can recognize it when someone else does it wrong and tries to take the honor and glory for themselves. 
lifting themselves up as something special, as something holy and righteous. Well, look at me, I am so holy and righteous, follow me because I am great. You know, that's the attitude was a lot of folks had back then and still have today and probably more increased today than it was back then. Where they lift themselves up as being something holy and righteous, something to be followed. Some, like some of these preachers like to be called their, the shepherd of the flock. They're the shepherd of the church. The congregation follows them. The shepherd and all the church members are their sheep and come follow me, I'll be your shepherd. That is horribly wrong. That is a sacrilege completely. There's only one shepherd, that's Jesus Christ. The pastors are merely the servants of the shepherd. Just some hired help, you might say. They're there to do a task. Given a blessed opportunity to be a part of the work of the Holy Ghost and part of the work of the Lord. Never to be lifted up as something righteous and holy to follow. No. And that's what he's pointing out here. We've given you that example. How we don't take any of the honor, any of the glory for ourselves. It all goes to the Lord. And if you see somebody else trying to take the glory for themselves, you know that's a somebody who is not truly born again. That's somebody who's working for themselves. That's somebody that's working for Satan, not for them, for the Lord. That's who he's pointing out here. For whether we are beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Speaking of Jesus Christ dying for everyone, because everyone was dead. Everyone was separated from God. And that he died for all. Notice, for all. Not just for those that come and accept him and receive that gift of salvation. He died for everyone. He paid the horrible price for all sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. Even those that will never come to him. He paid the horrible price for that as well. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. It's only reasonable, as he tells us, that we totally devote ourselves to service of the Lord because of what he has done for us. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Like he had an interaction, physical interaction with Jesus Christ in the past, but now he cannot. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We become born again. We become a new creature in Christ, a, a total new creature. He gives us a new mind even. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Brand new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is what life is. It's being reunited with God. Because as I said, all the way back there in the garden, Adam and Eve's sin severed that relationship. They died spiritually. That means they were severed from a connection with God. And their spirit died. Everyone born since then comes into this world spiritually dead. 
body and soul, but spiritually dead. When you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you become spiritually alive again, quickened and become a new creature in Christ. And that's what he's teaching here. And in that coming to life, we become reconnected with God and become adopted into his family. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's why he came down to take on flesh, to live amongst us, to take on all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, to die on that cross, pay the horrible sin price for everything, and then was buried, rose again the third day, stuck around some 40 days preaching and teaching, and ascended to the Father, sits on the right hand of the Father, the great high priest, our mediator, and that's why he did all that, to allow us to be reconciled to God, to be adopted back into the family, not imputing their trespasses unto them, because he paid for all that and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He's allowed us to share that with others. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So that makes us representatives, ambassadors. That's someone who is speaking on the behalf or by permission of someone else and and given a message to then share with others comes from that person. So we are ambassadors. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. When we go out into the world, we need to present Jesus Christ. When they see us, they should not see us personally. They should see Jesus Christ shining through us. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin. Talking about Jesus Christ. He took on all the sin of all mankind for us who knew no sin. He had never sinned himself that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, he opened that door of opportunity for all of us to be able to come in to the family, be adopted, and be one of the children of God. And then given us that position of an ambassador to go out and to share the love of Jesus Christ, to shine his light into this dark world and let everyone always see Jesus Christ when they look at us. That is the opportunity and ministry and challenge that we all have to do it. And it's an awesome opportunity, ministry and challenge. Challenge, yes, because there's a lot of obstacles out there. And he has ordained each and every one of us, sanctified us, set each and every one of us in a particular position to serve him. And as we serve him, we grow. The more we grow, the more opportunities of service he allows us to be a part of. So more you use what he gives you, the more he gives you. Which is awesome. You can't use it up because he keeps multiplying it. If you lack anything, ask for it and he'll give you more. If you need more understanding, ask for it. If you need more wisdom, ask for it. If you need more faith even, ask for it. And he gives it to you. You use it and then he multiplies it. And that's the wonderful thing about it. It doesn't get used up. It gets multiplied more and more. And we are ambassadors. We need to act like it. Everywhere that we go, we need to know that we are representing Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for that awesome opportunity you've given us to be 
adopted into your family, and then the assignment to go out and share that with others as ambassadors of yours, to be able to represent you out there in the world, help all of us to do that very thing, and to always give you all the honor, all the glory, to never take any of it for ourselves. And we truly thank you as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.